0: Do you know that old adage, lies are like snow, they pile up? Well, that's certainly what has been going on with Annie, Beth, and Ruby. One crime has begot another, and one lie has led to so many others. (laughs) And not just for their families. Um, You know, their neighbors have also been drawn into this burgeoning pot of corruption and deceit. So just what happened in the season finale of Good Girls and how well did Kate and I do with our predictions? There is only one way to find out. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Let's dive in.
1: Good Girls, season 1 finale.
0: Good Girls. Are they good girls at this point? Mm. That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> um You know, I mean, that is the overarching question of the entire series of what makes, um, who are the good guys and how long can you continue calling yourself a good guy um, as you wander down the path of uh, darkness?
1: (laughs) As you wander Mm. down the path of crime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it definitely draws some parallels to, to Breaking Bad. Yeah. and particularly even just having the storyline of one of them being inspired by the lack of medical care coverage in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, I mean, it's an interesting moral and ethical question of like, is it okay to do bad things for the right reasons?
0: Right, exactly. In fact, spoiler alert, I guess, but um, I don't know if I I don't know how much you have um, watched of the entire season, Um, but I did take the liberty of watching the entire season. So it's good, folks. Um, (laughs) And there is this wonderful line from Beth at one point that really summarizes the entire series, where she's talking about how they are, from the moment they're, you know, little girls, they have been you know subjected to fairy tales about what makes you a good person and how to be a good person morally speaking and if you do good things good things will happen to you and she goes but what if those were written by the dicks (laughs) (laughs) and they just don't want good people to have anything good which i think is you know that's what that's a huge conversation in our con in our culture right now Um, yeah you know playing by the rules doesn't always May, doesn't always guarantee that you are going to succeed or, or get the things that you deserve, um, especially when the system is set against you. And how do we, and is it okay to break the rules in order to take down the system?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. And like, you can even get into like, who are the people who are making the rules and who do the rules actually apply to in practicality? Because it, it seems like a lot of times with the power imbalances in our society the rules are made by people who do not have to follow them themselves Mm -hmm. so they get to operate outside of the system and succeed in ways that people who who really sit in that system and try to follow the rules and make it work just
0: can't right and really I mean that's been the way that it's been almost since the dawn of man I mean yeah (laughs) First it was kings and monarchs and, you know, in collaboration with the church, you know, they made, they defined what morality was for the, for the common man and very much excluded themselves from having to follow those rules. (laughs) And I feel like we've been on that cycle ever since.
1: (laughs) Basically. And it, it, it has just continued. And I, I, I know the pandemic has definitely put some things in stark relief, for how much of a power imbalance there really is in this world. And, and you look at the people, the, like the billionaires who have just like massively, massively increased their fortunes as people have been dying and struggling and losing their homes, losing all sense of financial security. Mm -hmm. And that wealth disparity has just gotten worse and worse and worse. And Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you are, we talked about this a little bit with the good place, but how our society is set up, it is, it is, it's set up for you to fail. And it is, it's set up in such a way that you are somewhat
0: financially compensated for not following the rules. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that's the way the system works. It is meant to keep down those who are fool enough to follow the rules. (laughs) And then there is a secret playbook for those who are in the know about how to really get ahead, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, sort of wink, wink. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's, that's, that's life, right. And that's really, I mean, it's a really depressing thing to think about, but at the same time, what are we going to do about it? You know, like we have to think about these things and we have to be willing to to acknowledge. I mean, you can't, you can't defeat, you can't work around, you can't overcome something that you're not willing to acknowledge, so. Yes, and I do, speaking of that word
1: acknowledge, I do want to acknowledge that there are ways of working outside of not necessarily the law, but outside mm-hmm. of our societal norms that mm-hmm. allow people to get ahead in in financial ways and in other ways that people who follow the societal rules mm-hmm. are kind of held back by um, mm-hmm. like you think about just a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing good things in this world and mm-hmm. maybe make a lot of money and they're not doing anything illegal and they're not like taking advantage of other people. Um, but they are willing to step outside of what society expects from them.
0: Mm-hmm. These ladies, question.
1: yeah, these ladies <laughs> just happen to do it in a way that is illegal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, all along the question of are they still good girls, we'll see by the end of the, we'll see by the end of this episode. But will um, we? <laughs> will we? I mean, they do kind of leave us on a cliffhanger, which we'll they get to. They definitely do. But, um, <laughs> I think a fair argument can be made. Um, so why don't why don't we um, answer the question? Mm. Tell me, do you think they're still good girls? And then we'll get into what happens and okay. why. You think
1: so I have to admit I did not watch the whole show I did just watch the the premiere and the finale and I read uh some detailed recaps on each episode like it it took me like an hour and change to read the recaps they were that long um but I'm kind of sad that I only got to read the recaps because I had I just had a really busy week and I feel like if I didn't have such a busy week, I would have watched the whole show because reading the recaps made me want to go back and watch the whole show. I was like, <laughs> I don't have the time, so I I haven't. There's stuff that I haven't necessarily seen and nuances that I haven't necessarily caught because, of course, the recaps are written by a person who has their own personal slant and biases on what is happening. Right. Um, I feel like. I feel like Annie has become a better person than she was in the beginning, as weird as that sounds, because they are <laughs> definitely farther down the road of criminal activity. <laughs> um, and Beth, I'll save Beth. Um, Ruby, I feel like she's still a good person. Like she is still, she's just so motivated by saving her daughter that I feel like I would for- forgive her of pretty much anything. Because, like, mm-hmm. even though I'm not a parent, I do know that like that kind of love is it's indescribable and it is irrational the things that people will do for their children mm-hmm. um so like I will not hold that against her at all and she from from the recaps that I've read she seems to continue to be the voice of reason amongst the group and just mm-hmm. kind of being like uh, are we sure this is a good idea like, she she is that, that grounding moral force of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think Ruby, she's, she's good. She's okay, mm-hmm. right? Um, Beth? Oh Beth. <laughs> oh, Beth. Oh, Beth. Oh, mm. Beth. Beth, I think Beth wants to be bad. Oh, yeah. I don't know that she mm-hmm. wants to be a good girl. Like, I think she, by the end of the season, she is angry. Like, so mm-hmm. angry. And, like, we had even kind of talked about this in in the first episode that like she has that potential in her to be willing to take power from others and she's definitely on that path now Mm -hmm. um but she's just like she had she is well and truly done with playing by society's rules Mm -hmm. and uh now we're we're kind of waiting to see how far she's willing to take that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but there's I don't know there's a push and pull with her I think because she doesn't want to be good but she also like it is deeply ingrained in her to want to be good yes um, or to be acceptable Mm -hmm. at least outwardly facing by Mm society standards so I don't know like I think she's the most corrupted at
0: this point Mm -hmm. (laughs) what about you Um, I would concur with you on a lot of that. I think that Annie, as strange as the juxtaposition is, um, has this experience is making her a better person. She is becoming less closed minded. um, And it's really interesting because, you know, they definitely set her character up as the free thinking and progressive and, you know, all you know, inclusive one in between mm-hmm. her relationship with um her ex husband, Greg, uh, Greg, <laughs> um and um you know over their daughter uh, Sadie, and yet we learn um because I did go back you know and I did watch the entire season through, we learn as the season progresses that as open minded as she thinks he, she is, Annie has really closed her self off from really seeing greg's point of view and seeing that greg has a point Mm -hmm. and he's not just sort of a thorn or a handicap in sadie's life sadie needs him just as much as she needs annie and um greg has managed to observe things that um annie has missed and i feel like um, we do owe an apology to greg we do i feel like we do I mean Greg's still his life's still a mess, which we'll get into, yes. but like,
1: <laughs> but not for the reasons that we were calling him out on in the first episode.
0: Yes. And um also like their escapades have led them to um it constantly leads them to a point where they have to examine how did we get here and is this still right? Like at one point, they try and rob an old woman, and um, <laughs> that turns into Annie. Um, that you know that Beth is unable to do that at that time, and Annie eventually returns the woman's figurines and befriends her because she's lonely. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like each new scenario that they find themselves in, Annie is experiencing guilt after the fact. And uses that as a teachable moment in order to um, connect to the people around her, and is by doing that constantly becoming a better person. Ruby, as you said, like her situation is arguably, in my, in my opinion, anyway, I think it's arguably the most um, selfless of all the three. Like, yes, Annie's trying to hold on to her daughter and fight this custody battle, but really, if if Annie and Greg would just talk, any situation could be resolved you know what I mean? And by the end of the season, we do get the sense that they get there. Yeah, Um, definitely. Whereas Ruby, I mean, Ruby, really the whole system is against her. And she's a character who tries, who is shown as consistently trying to do the right thing. And, um, following the rules and doing everything that you're supposed to do. And yet she and her, she and her husband are both that way and they can't catch a break and it's going to cost them their daughter. Um, So like, yeah, I mean, anybody would empathize with that situation and uh, (laughs) um, it's hard to figure out a point where you would stop empathizing with her. Um, And it's interesting that she is continuously the voice of reason up until, she has to make the personal decision of like, okay, well, I'm doing it because it's the only way that I can see to um, save my daughter. And the rest of you are all coming in and doing it with me. (laughs) Um, I don't, I think of all the, uh, of all the characters, she hasn't really been pushed to, mm, even as I said it, I'm going to (laughs) retract it. So like her marriage is definitely being tested by their increasing criminal activity. And she's had to really face um, what it means like for her as a mother to be doing these things and what example she's setting for her daughter and whether the ends really do justify the means. So it's not that she's not being pushed but of all the characters because her reason is so solid because any one of us would be like well you know if it's between me my kid and and the grocery store i I know which one i'm choosing the grocery (laughs) store that has insurance to cover it and is also covering up criminal activity right you know like everybody loves a good robin hillard esque sort of underlining tale and hers definitely has that so there's less I, i just feel like there's less room for the audience to to really question her um whereas beth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> beth. <laughs>
1: oh, beth. Has,
0: <laughs> oh Beth. if ruby has the most pure reason for being there beth in my opinion has the least like yes we can empathize with her really broken marriage and this and the horrible way that her husband has played her for a fool and taken yeah. advantage of her trust and the way that she has been sort of Pushed into this situation by society, and we can all empathize, especially as women, with being tired and done with it all.
1: Mm-hmm. And there is that. there is a financial aspect too of like their house is
0: mortgaged like up to their ears, and like oh yeah, she does stand to lose a great deal. Out yeah, um, and that, that's not a small thing. But but it's not the same as losing a child. Losing a house is right. not the same as losing a child. Exactly, and. There's also the fact that like divorcing him is still an option and uh, maybe. right? Maybe. I mean, there is his fake cancer, but like <laughs> well, mostly I mean maybe because of what happens at the end of the episode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> we are. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, but when she started this, divorcing him was an option. And it stands to reason that if she was so in the dark about their finances, it's probably because her, her name is not on a lot, you know, like, even when she goes to like, uh, you know, figure out the whole credit card situation, she has to, um, she needs all the information from him. Yeah. So she could just kind of leave him to his mess. That is an option. And there's, there is aid out there for her and her children, like I mean, if 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 the government is sympathetic to anyone, it's white mothers like, you know, like of everybody, she's probably in the best position. Um, And it's not that that wouldn't be hard and unfair and really, you know, traumatic in its own way, but it is doable like when when wrestling with the morality of it all you have to acknowledge the fact that like you had another option hard as it was like you had an option (laughs) and rather I agree with you. She, she would rather be bad. And I don't even necessarily judge that too harshly. I think that there's a part of us all that would rather be bad and would rather teach the powers, you know, would rather teach the powers a lesson or two and to make someone else hurt the way that we've been hurt or feel powerless, the way that we feel powerless. That's the line between a good person and a bad person. I feel personally, (laughs) and Beth is flirting with it. Beth is flirting with a lot in this show. Yeah. (laughs) Also Rio. Mm, Yeah. By a lot I mean Rio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Because even though I've only seen the first and last episodes and they've interacted in exactly like two scenes in what I have seen, that's definitely, like, an underlying storyline that's that's ongoing, that uh, she's got some kind of attraction. I don't know if it's to him necessarily, or if it's the danger that he represents, but also the guy who plays Rio is very attractive, so, like, I wouldn't
0: blame her. Right. If it was both. <laughs> yeah. And it might be both. Can confirm. Yeah. No, I mean, the narrative hasn't really told us yet, whether it's him as a person or danger itself um or you know just the life that he represents and the sight of her that he brings out um I think it's fair to say that at this point Beth probably doesn't even know you know um and I'm sure we'll get more of that in season two but um oh yeah oh yeah the tension is thick
1: so do we want to get into what happened in the episode
0: yes (laughs) let's do it why don't you uh give us a review because like even as I'm like starting to I can't actually remember if that was in Uh where the you know where the final yeah. where the finale started.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we we pick up and they are in Beth's dining room mm. and Annie is brainstorming different ideas that they can get Rio caught by the police and she has one bad idea after another. Meanwhile, mm. uh Rio goes to talk Mind to control. Turner. <laughs> is that his name? Uh, the, uh, the the FBI, FBI agent? agent.
0: Yeah. Um, I think think it's Turner.
1: Yeah. Which was, uh, it was a fun mental leap for me because it's the first time I've seen him and they never say his name in the scene that he's in. So I assume that it's the FBI agent because Mm -hmm. of what happens later. And then Ruby and Stan are talking about how to pay for the kidney surgery because a kidney has come in. Uh, there's, there's a match For Sarah, their daughter, who's very sick and they need to come up with like $87,000 very quickly, like within a day or so, because, you know, organs don't last long when they're not in a body. So it kind of ends up leading them to needing to, to find a way to come up with another $87,000. And I don't know, there's a lot going on in this episode. I feel like I'm going way out of order because I'm like getting ahead of myself, um, but there's the whole storyline with Annie who's dropping Sadie at her new private school. I'm assuming that she gets enrolled in a previous episode because it kind of came out of nowhere for me.
0: That is correct. Um, <laughs> okay.
1: It must not have been in the recaps that I read. And Sadie's only been there for a week, but we can already see that Sadie gets to wear the boy's uniform or what is gendered as the boy's uniform. And so that's nice. But but Sadie doesn't really seem to say much to Annie about how she is feeling about the new school so then uh boomer boomer brings this woman named sally over to annie at work born again boomer he he is still alive born again boomer oh man born again boomer and he he's still alive and still terrible and mm-hmm. yeah, he brings this older woman named Sally over because they're going to start training her to be the assistant manager. And Annie's like, uh, "How long have you been there? Been here?" And she's like, <laughs> "I've been here for three days." <laughs> and Boomer just makes a lot of like snide comments to Annie about how terrible she is. And then that is the point that Annie is like, "You know what? We should rob the store again." And talks about like how. Crazy it is because you know you never hit the same store twice, so like people wouldn't expect it. And I think Ruby's the one that's like, yeah, because it's stupid mm-hmm. to hit the same same store twice. Right. <laughs> and there's this really, I loved this scene when they are like talking about the new security features that the store has implemented mm-hmm. since they got hit, <laughs> and and he's just like, oh yeah, it's just like this one thing, and then it's like, oh. But then there's also like these new (laughs) these new linoleum floors. And oh, and then there's also the new safe. And there are infrared cameras at the back doors. Oh, and (laughs) there are panic buttons on every register. (laughs) It's just like, oh, is that all? Right. Um really, really fun, wonderful scene. And like there's so much about this episode. And just reading the recaps, I'm like, I was really mad that I didn't get to watch the whole season. Um so. They they're going to figure it out uh, because they they decide to to use the robbery as a way to both get money for Ruby's daughter's organ transplant and Mm -hmm. also use it as a way to frame Rio because they're Mm -hmm. going to steal just enough to get the feds in so that they start looking into the money that they have in the store. So then I forgot the robbery happened so quickly. It does. So it does. <laughs> so they get into the robbery and they have like implemented a whole new way of how they're doing this. Now it is just Beth and Ruby who are in the masks. Annie is actually at the register and they make it so that Annie ends up taking the key card from Sally. They they schedule it for a day that Boomer is not working because part of the reason that Boomer is training Sally to be an assistant manager is because he has a new lady love in his life. Uh much to Annie's uh, vomit face, which (laughs) same. So they plan it for a day that Boomer is going to be out with his lady love and Sally, the new girl, will be the only manager available and will not know enough about what's going on. So Annie is the one that takes Sally's keys to the vault and there's a fun sequence where they're trying to get the key card off of her like insane keychain with like all these different things on it and it falls into a grate and then Ruby has to like try to get it out of this vent that is very poorly placed like right in front of the vault like right? It's such a strange place to have of a, a, a floor a vent
0: like right?
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I'll I'll go with it because it's funny. Um, <laughs> and meanwhile, Beth is like keeping, she's like putting everyone in the store in like an aisle and is like having them keep their heads down and just being her intense self that we started seeing the beginnings of in the first episode and um, Ruby comes back out and they have figured out this whole plan I've really enjoyed how they how they did this because it was Annie was strapping the cash to her body under her shirt so that she could basically walk out with it since they couldn't have the same kind of getaway plan that they had before because of these cameras and oh oh and while she's doing that Beth is actually going register to register and printing the the day's receipts I think
0: mm-hmm. that's what
1: it seemed like and stuffs them all in this manila envelope that ends up getting left in the vault with the cash so for sure. Yes, for Turner, for, for the FBI agent. Like it has okay. his name on it. So he, <laughs> it's definitely going to pique his interest of like, okay, what is going on here? Um, so Annie's strapping the cash to herself when the security guard, Tyler, finds her. And he is very conflicted on what to do because he knows that he needs to take her down. But she's like really desperate and eventually convinces him to let her get away with it. Um, by talking up how much of a hero he was uh, to all of the like EMT and officers that are mm-hmm. around. And he's just, he's happy to be recognized for for his great work. So <laughs> I, I also kind of enjoyed how they got around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that what he wanted wasn't like a weird sexual favor. There was even a moment where it's revealed that he's gay and she mm-hmm. was just like, oh, oh okay
0: <laughs> right. she offers to like oh, I'll be your girlfriend because he's pretending to be
1: your girlfriend <laughs> yeah so that was that was fun and then Ruby and Beth basically remove their their robber costumes and hide in an aisle and pretend to be patrons of the store that have been terrorized by the by the actual robbers so mm-hmm. they once again get away with robbery right. in new fun ways and um Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and then you know Sarah is going in for surgery they're able to pay for the surgery with the money that they've now stolen and it seems like that's that's going to be going well but uh Mary Pat who I have not (laughs) spoken about once yet um she is Boomer's new lady love and her story is kind of complicated because based on the recaps, like there's a lot, there's like this whole storyline where the girls have now started working for Rio and they're like funneling money through this fake um, mystery shopper
0: business that's not real. They're, they're cleaning fraudulent money by yes. essentially buying a bunch of items with fake money and then returning it yeah, to get real cash to get real money in, in return. Yes. And to meet the high demand, they uh, decide that they need more workers. Obviously they can't be like, hey, does anybody want to launder money? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) instead they um, essentially like pyramid scheme, other moms in the neighborhood into a secret shopper kind of club. So they all think that they are essentially secret shoppers and they are- And
1: Tyler, Tyler is one of the secret shoppers.
0: Yes, exactly. Yes. and um good point and, that, and that's another reason why he doesn't necessarily want to turn Annie in because they have a relationship yeah. um but anyway so for most part everybody stays unknowing um Mary Beth does eventually figure it out and she begins
1: Mary Pat Mary Beth.
0: <laughs> Mary Pat um, does it eventually figure it out, however. And um, her storyline kind of deviates as she begins blackmailing the girls. And there is a question brought up of, cause she's also in a desperate situation. Her husband has recently died and she has several children that she now has to care for. And it's constantly brought up of, um, yes, she's doing this, to the girls anyway, monstrous thing of blackmailing them and threatening to ruin their lives but is she a monster? Does that make her a monster? You know, does, or is she just act the act same black? as
1: them? Exactly. Because they are also doing bad
0: things for good reasons. For good reasons, exactly. It's mm-hmm. a never-ending cycle. And uh, Born Again Boomer, this the entire season, spends his energies trying to take Annie and her crew down for reasons of insecurity, smallness, and just general grossness and fragile male ego (laughs) right fragile male ego and he um notices um Annie and Mary Pat having an interaction at the store and that's what kind of brings them together and he sets out to record her so he like plants something in her home to record her and also along the way discovers that he actually genuinely likes her as they're hanging out and they're developing this romance, um, which um, he has a very spotty relationship with women. You could say the that. <laughs> 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 um, and yet at the same time, this is someone who's genuinely seems to be responding to him and liking him for him, which I sat there in perplexion, <laughs> 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 but you know, everybody has a maid out there, I guess. So well
1: and also for Mary Pat like you know she she is recently widowed and she has all these kids so like I'm sure she's not used to receiving male attention at this Mm. point so there is probably a part of it that's like oh this person seems to like me for who I am and that's what draws her in at first and he kind of just like helps her get out of her comfort zone and doesn't at least, from what I've read in the recaps, doesn't seem to like treat her like a widowed mother of many. He treats her kindly, and it yeah. may have started out as an act, but I can see how she would be
0: drawn to that. Yeah, because she doesn't know yeah, that guess... he's a detestable human being <laughs> at that point. <laughs> she <does> not. <laughs> but that's kind of what happens in the in the final episode. Is that Mary Pat uh, learns the truth of yeah. Boomer's past history with Annie and and the other woman.
1: Well the first thing is that she she finds the recording device. Yeah. Because it starts beeping because mm-hmm. it the memory is full. And then she goes yeah. to Beth to be like,
0: I don't know what is going on. And yeah, Beth she is the one fears that she's being watched by the FBI, which is yes. not an not an unfounded fear.
1: <laughs> no, no, not an unfounded fear, considering everything that's been going on.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Beth tells her um you know who boomer really is and uh his history with the other three and you know interestingly enough uh mary pat draws the line and at, um Attempted trying to rape, rape an- another woman yeah <laughs> you know crazy
1: that right um yeah so after after mary pat comes to talk to beth there's like a a little scene with Dean and Beth and their their 20th wedding anniversary is coming up this week and she he is kind of like do you want me to set a reservation or is it just a Wednesday and she eventually relents and lets him set up a reservation and then immediately he's like driving home and gets distracted by watching this woman jog Dog. <laughs> and gets in a car accident as he deserves as he yeah as he well deserves um, So he, he ends up in the hospital, obviously with some like fairly minor damage, like he's got some broken bones, but that's about as bad as it is. Um, But Beth naturally asks about his cancer and how Mm -hmm. the drugs, the pain meds that the doctors are prescribing him will affect the the drugs that he's taking for his cancer treatment. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And this is the moment where she learns that her husband has been lying to her. And does not have terminal cancer. That Dean is a big fat lying lie face. <laughs> yep. Lying liar lie face, which, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm much less willing to forgive him because, um, well, like, we, we can talk about how this lie comes up because he wants to make amends with his wife and he he thinks that the only way back into her heart is to fake this illness so that he can at least be around and yeah. and then like worm his way back in oh. which is like it's very manipulative and oh yeah, it's, it's and- not okay but we're also talking about women who have now robbed stores twice they've started an illegal enterprise to launder money for a criminal syndicate so where yeah. is the morality where is that?
0: there <laughs> But we also have to, like, we can't discount the fact that when you, it's more than just like, oh, I needed a reason to still, for you to keep me around. It's an emotional manipulation. When you say to someone, I have cancer, like you don't do that ignorant of how that is going to play on their emotions. Like nobody wants to be a dick to the cancer patient. Nobody wants to kick the cancer patient out of his bed or out yeah. of their life. You're not going to be the guy with I'm,
1: terminal cancer.
0: Right. Like I'm I I'm potentially dying does something to a relationship, which Mr. Dean knows and I I I don't know that there's much you can say other than no that's like a that's kind of a no-no like after you do that to somebody you're kind of done like how how is the relationship going to repair after that but that's dean's whole character is he's very short-sighted he, is. he does whatever he feels like doing in the moment even so far as to be rushing home to this woman that he believes he loves and that I actually, you know, like, I I don't doubt him. I think that, you know, as much as he's capable, Dean does love Beth, but he literally gets distracted by a pair of bouncing breasts and ruins his whole life again, you know? So, um, you know, poor Dean, like he doesn't have, Dean doesn't really have the capacity to love someone um, at this point in his life. Yeah. And we have yet to see if he has much longer to live. (laughs) We do.
1: (laughs) Yes. So so while Beth is reeling from this realization that her husband has been lying to her about having terminal cancer, um, the news lets her know that Rio has been arrested just as they planned. Um, So at that point, she meets up with the girls at the diner And starts spinning this story about having crossed the border to go meet this guy at a craft store that they had met in episodes previous to pick up rolls of wrapping paper that is actually counterfeit money. And how she basically threatened him and got him to join their new enterprise. And the girls are like, oh my god, that's a completely insane story. And then she's like, oh, it's a joke. It's not real. And the girls are kind of relieved, but also not to a degree. At least Annie seems somewhat somewhat interested in, in the prospect of this not having been a fake story. And Beth says that it doesn't have to be a lie, implying that she is willing to go the distance and start taking over Rio's operation. And after that, uh, Boomer, born again Boomer, goes to see Mary Pat, Mary Pat, and that is the point at which um, the pot boileth over, mm-hmm. and I feel like it was it was a really well done scene, and it was very um, understated. Like I feel like it it had the potential to be like a screaming match, but it was a really good emotional conversation because we can just see in this whole thing like she has learned about what boomer has done to annie and she just cannot contend with the fact that he tried to rape her which like of like Mm -hmm. of course um but it's like every time that he tries to defend himself she's just like but it's rape like Mm -hmm. i like no it's rape and like he tries to go down the route of like you know she wears all these like low-cut tops and has the Lower back tattoo, so that kind of woman wants a certain kind of treatment, and she's like rape. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She wants to be raped. It's just like no, no, and she is not okay with it. And she, it, it is definitely heavily implied that she has now taken the recording device and has recorded their conversation. Yeah, and their relationship is just kind of over at that point. And I was honestly, given having only seen the first episode before watching this one, I was terrified that he was going to physically attack her at that point. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that that's not where they went with it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of surprised, but, but also grateful. Um, I feel like for the show has done a, f- a pretty good job from what I've read of, even though they are involved in this very criminal activity, there hasn't been as much violence committed against them as you might mm-hmm. expect,
0: given yeah. the subject
1: matter. Um, so that happens. And, and then Annie and Greg, oh, we skipped over something. Because at one point, Annie is going to pick up Sadie from school and Sadie is not responding to her texts and hasn't appeared. So Annie goes to investigate and finds Sadie like in the school lawn, courtyard, whatever, uh, playing hacky sack mm-hmm. with some new friends. And she just kind of has a moment of like, oh my God, her her kid is happy and isn't in danger the way that she was at her previous school. So that was a really nice emotional moment um, because then we we find Annie and Greg sitting on bleachers, drinking and talking. And Annie finally admits that she isn't, she might not be the only person in the world who knows what is best for their kid Mm -hmm. and that greg does actually have a good point and they're able to to kind of come to an agreement Mm -hmm. and and without lawyers yeah
0: and they are um and it's a great moment for annie because like earlier in the episode there had been um you know like she had asked Sadie, how she was adjusting to the new school, but she was doing it in this way that she was very much like continuing to kind of like at, you know, like come at, come at it from the premise that this was the worst thing. And, oh, you must be so unhappy here. And, oh, it's so lame. Don't worry, it's only temporary while we figure this out. You know, cause Sadie's currently staying with her father for reasons <laughs> of other things, you know, <laughs> other things that happened earlier in the season. Yes. And Sadie's kind of like, yeah, like Sadie's kind of hinting that like, oh, it's, it's not so bad. I mean, it's only been a week though, you know, like there's there's a definite hesitation in, in Sadie's reply. So later when Annie um, sees her um, kind of in her element, you know, making friends and allowed to be herself and not being, you know, ter- terrorized as she is in her public school, um, I think that's the moment where she kind of realizes that like, not only was Greg right about, you know, number one, this particular school, but number two, Sadie wasn't, Sadie didn't feel comfortable being honest with her about her true feelings about the school. And I think that more than anything, kind of breaks her heart as it would, you know, like as a parent realizing that you've kind of put your children in a place where they don't feel like they can be honest with you either because it'll disappoint you or, Um, you'll be angry or whatever like I think that's a harrowing moment for her so I think that for me anyway like that that scene between um Annie and Greg uh, on the bleachers where they kind of realize that like they don't need to fight in court like they are her parents and if they kind of meet each other in the middle and really um hear each other out they can resolve this um was a really beautiful moment of storytelling for me.
1: Yeah. So I think Annie. I mean, her relationship with Sadie is definitely going to be tested in the next se- season. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, like you said, Sadie has been in this position of having to manage her mom's feelings for a long time, and I think Annie is now realizing that that's going that that has a negative effect on their relationship, as close as they have been in the past. Um. But in general, we leave Annie on a fairly positive note for the end of the season, which is uh, not true for the other ladies because Ruby initially gets relief because her daughter's surgery seems to have gone well. Her daughter just wants cheeseburgers and donuts and cheeseburgers on donuts, and uh, she still needs to to recover before she can have that. But but now Stan has been put in a bad position because he has figured out the game. And has realized that Ruby and Beth were the ones that robbed the store. And earlier in the season, I guess, uh, Ruby had asked what it would take for Stan to leave. And Mm -hmm. he says that you knew the answer and you did it anyway. So now Ruby is facing a collapse of her marriage, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: even as she has now done what she could to save her daughter. And that's that's gonna have a lot of emotional scars and uh, impact coming up in the next season. Because then Stan is now in a position of like, what does he do with this information now that he is, he's on the team that's been investigating Rio's gang? Yeah. Like what, what are those implications for Stan and what are the implications for, for their marriage going forward? And will they be able to move past yeah. it or not?
0: I actually found Stan's story arc disappointing, but I kind of I, I knew there was a potential for that. Even at you know, as we were talking about the pilot, I was like, Ugh, I wonder how they're going to handle this, and here we are, and um, they didn't, <laughs> and they didn't. Um, I mean, I there was the line where he, you know, when he confronts her. And after like laying out, you know, here's how I, you know, here's how I figured it out. He kind of has this outburst. And the first thing out of his mouth is I'm a cop. And I literally, I wrote down here in my notes, why is that the first thing? I'm your husband, <laughs> you know, like you've spent months lying to me. Like that's a huge contention, especially in this relationship that has been built up to be so healthy and so based on communication and support and truth and honesty. I'm your husband, or how could you lie to me? You know, that would be one thing. There's also this weird get disconnect between their faith, because they're, they're shown throughout the season as being, you know, religious and relying on their church community uh, heavily uh, for support as they take care of a sick child and, and work multiple jobs and try and make ends meet. But that's very disconnected, both from Ruby's overall arc in descent into crime, and Stan's, you know, uh, Stan's ultimate discovery of his wife's uh, descent into crime, um, and and her deceit. Like it, it's so disconnected, mm-hmm. and in the same way that his um his race is very disconnected from that conversation as is Ruby's. So overall it was just sort of, I think that it's one of the weaker elements of the show. It it just kind of, it's one of those things that it's easy to see what the hands are doing. Like we need him to be a cop because it creates drama. We're not actually gonna deal with that means. And also they're Christians because black people are often Christians but we're not actually knowledgeable and or care that much to, to deal with what that means for their character for the story yeah
1: yeah yeah it does make me wonder about the makeup of the writer's room
0: mm-hmm. not just mm. like
1: like racially and also religiously because I know a lot of people in Hollywood are not very religious <laughs> so I feel like there are a lot of depictions of religion that just like they don't really have a lot of depth it's it's more just like it's there because it's common but it doesn't really yeah. have effects on the actual story and I feel yeah. like that, that could have been a, a good opportunity in this storyline. Um, but yeah, like Very. I'm glad that you pointed that line out because I hadn't really thought about it, but it is weird that that is the identity that he chooses first, mm-hmm. because presumably they have been married for at least a decade. So you'd think that that would probably be one of his first yeah. lines is like, uh, I'm your husband. How could you lie? You know, how could you lie to me like this? How could you hide right. this from me? because that is like, it is the broken trust that Mm -hmm. is going to screw up their marriage. Like his identity as a cop shouldn't be a thing that tears them apart.
0: Yeah. Or even, you know, like from the religious standpoint, like that, when, when someone genuinely holds that belief, it is a huge part of their perception of themselves. And it's a huge part of their marriage. Like it's he it's so strange to me that this thing that he's barely been for you know what i mean like he's not even through academy and this is his primary identity like this is where his pain point is of Mm -hmm. how now what am i supposed to do you know (laughs) Uh, it was so strange
1: yeah um so that's that's where we leave ruby and and then beth is coming home and finds rio in her dining room with her bloodied husband who has apparently attempted to put up a fight with a gangster um didn't work out for him yeah well he's you know recovering from a car accident where he's broken bones so yeah. rio has uh, somehow gotten out of custody and i love the conversation that he has with beth and is just kind of like, I I know what you're, what you were doing. I know what you're trying to do, but you have to kill the king to be the king. And he slides a gun over to her to see if she will, what she's going to do, who she'll take out. So we, we end the season with her pointing a gun across the table. We don't know at who, and we don't know who, if she's going to pull the trigger.
0: Yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, because we love it, uh, we love a good bit of symbolism. Um, Rio is the king of a gangster empire. And uh, uh, Dean is the the head of the the household, king of the house. And um, Beth's whole arc is about how much he has come to resent Resent the king. And um, I don't. I mean predictions for season two I don't think she has it in her quite yet to kill Dean as much as she's angry as much as she's upset um
1: yeah because even in that scene she's like please don't kill us yeah not please don't kill me please don't kill us So she's still right trying to protect Dean even
0: though she is livid yeah And before finding out his deception, it has to be noted, it means something, that there was a part of her that was still willing to give their marriage a shot. She chose to make it an anniversary and not just another Wednesday. So she wasn't ready yet to let go. And True, thinking that you were about to lose that person or could potentially lose that person to a terminal illness plays a heavy part in that. Mm -hmm. Hence her extreme anger with him at this moment But that in and of itself speaks, I mean, that that speaks loudly. Like when it comes down to it, the thought of losing Dean still has an emotional impact on her. Like there's a part of her not ready yet to lose him. And um, that said, (laughs) the show has been building her up to this point to show that she has the capacity to kill someone. There's this sort of, tete to tete that there's this problem that they have earlier in the season where they're in jeopardy and it really does come down between them and another life and while the other girls are firmly on the side of uh we can't even by proxy uh we can't take a life that's the line that we can't cross um Beth is the one who's kind of (laughs) like I mean let's cross it I mean true she wasn't the one in that situation who had to pull the trigger but I think that tells us a lot about how far she has slid and where it will where she's headed if she continues on this path shall we dive into our predictions
1: let's do it tally them up so while we're on the subject of Beth we had kind of questions on how far she would be willing to go And if she would get to a point where it's no longer really about her family or kids, but that she's just plain mad. And I feel like that is exactly kind of where she wound up. Like there is like, there will always be kind of like an underlying thing of, of she's doing it to take care of her family Uh, because, you know, she's a mother and she does love and care about her, her children, but it doesn't feel like there is, like you said, there isn't as much of a driving force for like paying her mortgage and and that kind of thing by the end of the season, it's really like she keeps going back. And every time that she starts getting bored or starts getting mad, she's just like, you know what? I'm going, I want it bigger. I want it better. And I want more.
0: Yes, very much so. I think the show drew a very definitive line for Beth that it's no longer just about her family. And in fact, um, it's become, it's about her. And that may end up putting her in a position at some point where she's now jeopardizing her family, the mm-hmm. very thing that she got into it for, you know, because it, it, it has to be said she is playing around with, with death and danger with, with, with actual murderous criminals, <laughs> um, someone who has threatened her life at on multiple occasions and shown himself willing. I mean, the entire reason that they set up Rio in the first place is that, um, Rio had kind of decided that they were a liability and you know what happens to liabilities like <laughs> he had no more use for them and their lives were in jeopardy and so they decided to catch him before they could get got essentially and if that's the situation you're in like as a mother this man knows where you live he knows where your kids play and yet Beth continues to flirt with this danger and that says something
1: mm-hmm and wants to take it to the next level.
0: Because right. Because she is the one that
1: shows interest in actually taking over Brian's
0: operation. Right. Going to Canada. <laughs> she wants to paint the hugest target on her back. And by extension, everybody she loves. And she apparently has few problems with that. So it, it, it's fair to say it's no longer about her family. It's about her.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Annie we had her down as potentially being the one that needs to kind of pull Beth back.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, You might be able to speak better to that than I can. It didn't, it didn't come across in the recaps that I was reading, but I don't know if it, it actually came across in the
0: show at all. She has had a few moments of, I think we're well on our way there. Um, I think maybe half points, half credit um, because she started to sort of mention every now and again, of like, oh, okay, whoa, <laughs> let's scale it back, which is not where she was at the start of the season at all. But she hasn't yet got to the same level of alarm that Ruby seems to be. Like Ruby is the one who has clocked that Beth is no longer in it for purely, you know, Ruby is the one who started to be like, or okay, okay but
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, but don't you kind of want to be bad? <laughs> <Are you> okay, <laughs> Miss Breaking Bad. You know she's a few jokes here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this confrontation even between um, Ruby and the other two, and uh, Annie sides on on sides with Beth because of their blood, and she says that um, you you're not allowed. You know, like Ruby brings up the point of like, hey, you call her out every day why can't I and Annie says you know we're blood and you know so right now I think Annie is still kind of holding back because Annie because Beth is her sister and she's used to Beth being the more responsible one but I think that there's plenty of room for them to continue down on that path and for Annie to get a point to a point in season two where she has to like no you need to be you need to be checked
1: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and the big thing that we had for Annie was really more about her relationship with Sadie. And we had anticipated that she would probably potentially lose custody temporarily of Sadie, which definitely has happened. It seems like it's happened multiple times throughout the season. And at some point she might kind of lose her emotionally, which definitely seems like where we're at by the end of the season. So we were we were pretty spot on with that. Good yeah No, we I were... mean like not great, but but good on us for predicting it.
0: <laughs> right. Good on us for understanding the story. Yeah, no, not great for Annie and uh poor Sadie, but I mean ten, 10 marks on that. Like literally everything that we had predicted happened. And I think there's room for even more emotional distance in season two, especially now that Sadie is going to be spending so much more time away from Annie. Mm-hmm. And
1: Ruby, we—I feel like we didn't—we didn't actually really have many predictions for her, other than that she was a potential contender for murdering someone. Um, we had her and Beth down as could potentially murder someone. Beth definitely seems like the most on edge, the most mm-hmm. actually close within the narrative of the story to killing someone since we leave her with her pointing a gun at two people. Um, but we have Ruby down as a potential contender because she is fighting for her daughter's life and, and we could see how, how that could cause her to snap. And it didn't happen, which I'm fine with. I feel I like, like it was a totally better with story with what we got or at least what I
0: read about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I kind of waffled back and forth with that. Like on the one hand, there are reasons why I would not have liked to see her go down that route because number one there's enough there's enough to de- depiction of angry black women out there yeah um, and we so don't need black. it to be actually turned into breaking bad right you know <laughs> so um there's that aspect of it but i mean there's a reason why we made that prediction and it's because mm-hmm. like of the three, she has the most motivation to be desperate and to have to take things into her own hands um so there's a part of me that's just like,, mm, I, I I have very i'm I have waning sympathy for Beth because I'm like, okay, it's one thing for me to be on this ride of you trying to keep your your family in the home and to make sure that your kids are okay and to fix the mess that your husband made. That would have been covered by robbing the grocery store, which still wrong, but, you know, if, if there's scales, we can kind of, we can kind of find a balance somewhere in the murky gray of it all. You know, everything you're, you're doing now is crazy. And as we've talked about before, <laughs> it jeopardizes the safety of people that you love. And it's all because you're on some, you know, feminist empowerment sort of. She's kick. on the boss <laughs> bitch power trip. Right. And it, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna Which come is like it. it's it's white feminism. Yeah, peak. It's, it's the peak white thing feminism I've ever seen. And I'm just like, okay, I, I have very little patience for that. So that <laughs> gets very little points in my book. <laughs> she gets,
1: yeah. She gets points for audacity, I guess. <laughs> for the
0: audacity, for sure, for the audacity. <laughs>
1: Um, and then just kind of like quickly through our last few things was uh, born again, boomer. We didn't think that he was dead and he wasn't, he has continued to cause havoc throughout the whole season, uh, which we kind of anticipated. And uh, I think I, I had written down that or not written down. I had said that were, I could see them needing to hold him captive for a bit, which it does seem like happened for at least like an episode or two. there were some hijinks involved with that and then stan we foresaw this kind of cat and mouse type situation that did sort of play out but not like it wasn't quite to like killing eve level of cat and mouse um but definitely like ruby was trying to keep things from him and obviously he caught up in the end and then greg we owe an apology to
0: (laughs) dear greg Dear Greg,
1: (laughs) we're sorry, Uh, because we we had kind of read into his call for for Sadie to go into therapy as a, a rejection of her exploration of her gender expression and thinking that their daughter was the problem. And it did seem more like he was in line with how I think of therapy in terms of like people have issues and they need help working through them. And our daughter is going through a lot. So maybe she needs help to go through them
0: yeah for sure like it's one of those things that like it's hard to they didn't really give us a lot to work with in terms of like we we haven't really seen Greg hang out with Sadie yet um at this point in the in the series um we've really kind of only gotten a glimpse of how he feels about his daughter through his conversations with Annie and their and their problem and Annie A bias, and Annie comes at Greg like Greg is unable to understand her or support her exploration of her gender identity. And I think that in the beginning, we're meant to feel that because we are looking at Greg through Annie's eyes. And by the end, we get to the same understanding that she does: that oh, like I'm bringing a lot of personal bias to this, and I'm not. I've been wrong, you know. I've been wrong about. Greg's intentions, I've been wrong about, and I've been wrong about knowing, like being all knowing about what my daughter needs and what will help her at this very fragile time of her life. And um, I think that's very masterfully done, Um, but I would be excited to see more of Greg and Sadie, um, you know, one-on-one in coming seasons.
1: Yeah, I'm curious if we will get that since it does seem pretty focused on the three women but I mean we do see a, a couple like we see some stuff with Boomer that doesn't involve them and and we've seen some stuff with Rio that doesn't involve them in this episode so there's definitely potential and especially as they have mm-hmm. somewhat reconciled their relationship yeah um, at least she and Annie and Greg have somewhat reconciled their relationship that uh we could certainly see more of Sadie's relationship with Greg directly and not so much through Annie's yeah. eyes and um, our, our last kind of like overarching prediction for the season was that the, the gangsters would be present throughout which makes sense if you know literally anything about the show. Um, and that they would end up even deeper in crime and get involved in other crimes or just in the full criminal syndicate, which is where we well, end up. Well, that certainly cause... didn't happen.
0: Let's pack it up. Go home. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs>
1: I mean, that is, they basically created their own, like, yeah. um, What is? what am I trying to think of? The, like, sub-companies? Subdivision. They created, like, a subdivision of Rio's... Yeah. Criminal syndicate to help him launder money. Yeah, no, they're they're well in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ariana Grande, we in it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to borrow a phrase from Jason Mendoza. <laughs> so, question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I guess you you already watched the first season. Did the first season make you want to
0: watch the second season? It did it did i mean there's a reason why i watched the whole season rather than just the uh, the you know the pilot and the uh finale as the recipe re- you know requires i went above <laughs> um
1: <laughs> and that's not a recipe of, we
0: always stick to right you know like um we we ha- we set our minimum requirements and you're free to free to explore beyond that um so the characters are engaging the, the premise is engaging and um, I can't say that I'm not interested in seeing where the story goes from here. Um, but I did lose a little steam by the finale and largely because of, I mean, largely because of, you know, things that we've already mentioned. The way that um, the character, like some of the characters are kind of divorced from the overall the overall premise and um, the way that, Beth, who seems to be the one that we're, you know, the titular character that we're following. I mean, if you've, we've seen Breaking Bad, we've seen this. And I think that it's a luxury that is afforded to white characters often. And um, yeah, you know, it's like, do I want to drink another cola today? (laughs) I don't know. Like, I'm not, you know, like I I don't need to. So yeah, I did lose a little steam by the end. What, I will, what are you?
1: um well reading the recaps and maybe maybe I might have felt different if I had watched all of it but just having read the recaps and watched the first and last it made it made me interested in watching the second season because it is like it's punchy and it's really funny for as much as it is heartfelt and I'm I'm curious to see how it evolves over time um just like I know that it's still on the air and like I assume that there is a fifth season coming at mm-hmm. some point um whatever COVID may allow
0: yeah we, yeah hopes.
1: um so clearly there's something engaging happening here but I I enjoyed what I saw of it and I enjoyed what I read about it although I don't disagree with your caveats and like, yes. like we discussed in the first episode, I don't love that there is so much of a divorce from that identity of race in this show and how it doesn't seem to play very much of a part into the consideration of what these women are doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and faith. Like, I, and faith. I, I just yeah. have to bring that up one more time because like, <laughs> I don't know that I'm, I haven't really figured out how I feel about the fact that like I mean there's a reason why born-again Boomer is the type of villain that he is and it they're making very poignant statements about two of the people two of the you know um there are three Christians that we know of anyway on the show Ruby uh, Mary Pat and Boomer and of those three well, one of them is now running a, a money laundering syndicate, potentially. And then we have Mary Pat, who's kind of odious. I mean, she's kind of redeemable in the sense that like we understand what motivates her, but she, she's mm, but she's you know. not one of our three girls, so we're not rooting yeah. for her because she is so we're not
1: exactly. she's working against our three girls. Yeah. If she joined them
0: instead of just like extorting them, mm-hmm. I think we'd probably have a lot more sympathy for her. Right. But like, it's almost like they make a point to show their hypocrisies of like, and to almost poke fun of the fact that like, they're kind of these odious people and yet they're such big Bible bangers. And it's really weird to be making that point in a narrative that also cavalierly says that Ruby and Stan are Christians because black people equals Christianity. And just sort of use that as, see, we understand Black characters, like, yuck, you know, um, and have it be completely divorced from anything that she's currently going through or having to, like, moralize or or justify within herself. It's so weird to me. Like, I'm still, like, unpacking how I feel about it.
1: Mm -hmm. That's fair. That's 100% fair. But... Not but, but I guess, <laughs> um, it was enjoyable from what mm-hmm. I saw. And I am curious to see where they go with it. So <laughs> season two, eventually, maybe. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, no, let's see where they go with it.
1: Okay. <sighs> maybe they I, get better at it, I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you so much. <laughs> oh my god right (laughs) (laughs) no I uh you're right season two
1: season two we'll see
0: I just love that I can spend hours circling my thoughts in my head and then you just sort of neatly wrap them up and I am just like but I enjoyed it and I would be interested to see where they go and I'm like is that it is that what I'm oh okay (laughs) glad we had this thought (laughs) is that what I'm feeling it took this long to get there okay (laughs) maybe I don't know like and we we can
1: talk about it with many shows but like there there Mm -hmm. is you can enjoy things and still be very critical of them and I think that there we have definitely gotten to a point in our society where we we kind of have this thought that like if you're critical of something you must not like it And that's That's not the case. I feel like I'm more critical of the things that I like than of the things that I don't. Because if I don't care, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take the time to like think about
0: it. I would concur with that. Like the more that I'm intrigued by something or finding myself enjoying it, the more critical I'm going to be because I care, you know, and because Mm -hmm. I think that that is important. Like it is important to analyze and really think about the things that you were consuming, especially if you're going to be consuming them on a consistent, consistent basis. So good point. I like it. That's a wrap on this episode of what you missed on. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. You can find the show on Twitter at WYMO Podcast. You can find Kim on Twitter at K-J-O-U-R and Kate on Instagram at Your Story Unstuck. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.